Thank you, Jesus, for your many blessings. Thank you for all of you being here. And we're going <clears> to, <throat> I had some slides and I got started on Sunday morning and then worked some Sunday night and we stopped. And I, uh, I think I covered a few of these. And uh, yet I'm, I'm hoping, we, we were talking about the soil and the type of soil that the Lord is trying to develop in us. And you may say, well, I don't understand how you can develop soil. And I think if you would be a gardener, you could, um, you could know how the, uh, to develop soil. There's a process of putting fertilize, of adding dirt of adding compost and uh, turning this over. And if it's uh, very shallow and that's rocky, you can uh, bring in some topsoil, you know, and uh, help, help make it uh, a little deeper. And you may say, well, how do you bring in topsoil spiritually? Jump into the word of the Lord and uh, jump into prayer life and getting intimate with him and developing some roots. You, you understand? And uh, then, of course, uh, letting um, the, the rain wash. And, uh, you know, uh, when you go through that and when you go through that process of rain and soil and fertilize and, and dead plants and uh, turning that over, then you develop uh, a depth and you develop um, uh some soil. Now, the Lord needed to develop in David some soil. And just like uh, we had talked about how David was asked to serve Saul as a young man in, uh, in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, he was asked to be his armor bearer. And we talked about that uh, Sunday because it's like, will you just carry my shield, carry my, and here he is great. Here he is anointed to be the next king. And yet here he felt like the Lord was saying, now carry Saul's shield. Then of course, we know that there came the time when Goliath, and that's in, in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, and David, who was the armor bearer, uh, goes out and kills uh, Goliath. And, and again, when you read after that, David is playing and Saul gets mad and he then throws a spear at him and David did not rise up and get uh, arrogant. He did not rise up and say, look, you have no right to throw this spear at me. I've been anointed by God. We don't see any record of him uh, verbally bashing or attacking uh, Saul. And we don't see, have any record of him uh, challenging. In fact, the record is he would run away and he would then tell Jonathan, shoot an arrow to let me know if it's safe for me to come back. Well, and I'm like, you know, I don't know that I would ever be willing to go back. If a guy is mad and threw a spear and tried to kill me, I don't know that I would subject myself to it again. But David wasn't that way. He had a sense of, 
All right, I, if, if that's what you want me to do. Now, I, I went forward into the New Testament and I mentioned in Luke, the ninth chapter, how the Lord gave his disciples power and authority to preach and heal. He had them feed the 5,000 and then they went up the Mount of Transfiguration and then they started talking. And, and Jesus kind of uh, broke their um, view of who the Messiah was going to be. And he said, the son of man shall be delivered into the hands of men. And they didn't get it. He was telling them basically that I'm going to be crucified. And what were they talking about that kept them from getting it? As you continue reading, the Lord says, well, what are y'all talking about here in this ninth chapter? And finally, one of them, you know, um, thought, oh, I, I, this is embarrassing. We don't want to tell Jesus what we were talking about. And so they, I don't know, I don't know how they, what they said. Uh, well, we were talking about the weather. Uh, we were talking about the price of fish. You know, now in Jerusalem, how high it is. And I, I don't know what they answered, but they didn't, they weren't honest. And Jesus called them out. He's, the Bible says he perceived in their heart what they were talking about. And what they were talking about was which one would be the greatest. And so Jesus saw what they were, I mean, he, he knew what they were thinking, talking. And so you read where he brings a little child and says, whichever one receives this child in my name receives me. And he that is least among you, the same shall be the greatest. Now that's a powerful statement. And I understand that it's hard concept for us who are human to always grasp because the greatness is expressed by being great in our idea. You know, you, somebody who has achieved a great thing, somebody who has, uh, you know, uh, great fame, great money, great success, great whatever, fill in the blank. Then we go, they're the greatest. And yet, and what Jesus said was, he that is least among you is the greatest. What does that mean? Sometimes, and, and I know um, it's Wednesday night, we have people in the high life class and they're studying and we have people in the youth and we have people in the Sunday school. And I know there's just us here. We're spread out in the building. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, sometimes what's the backbone the greatest service that's touching the Lord is, you know, prayer, early morning prayer on Friday, Wednesday night. Not always the greatest. Woo, woo, woo. Huh? But you don't have those woo, woo, woo services without. Amen. And I mentioned 
last Sunday when, of course, Melissa was healed and was baptized. And that's, man, what a great service. But there have been a lot of prayers going up on Tuesday morning. A lot of prayers going up. Amen. You, you see what I'm saying? And to think, oh, well, the greatness was the son. No, not always. And Jesus didn't get mad at them for talking about being great. He just wanted them to understand that greatness is best expressed by humility. And I know we are not uh, probably used to that on, on the sense of in the world's eyes, you know. Uh, and we have, you know, oh man, he is a great whatever. They are great. Oh, if I could have that great evangelist, that great minister, pray if I could have that great let me explain something to you the greatest one is and if you can touch him whether you have any great name touch pray you know getting a hold of the Lord uh, is is what is great and then he goes on to teach them about authority in Luke the 10th chapter. And he was developing this in David in the Old Testament. But he says to uh, uh, his disciples, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now that's great power to tread on serpents, scorpions. Man, I like that kind of power. Power to raise the dead, heal. Notwithstanding, don't rejoice in that. What did he say rejoice in? Your name is written in the Lamb's book. It's written in heaven, the Lamb's book of life. That's the greatest miracle. Some people say, well, I don't understand why we don't see the miracles that they saw. Let me tell you, when somebody receives a gift of the Holy Ghost, that's the greatest miracle they could have. Somebody's buried in his name. That's the greatest miracle. And, and the Bible says, In that day Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank you, Lord, that you've hidden these from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Now, what was the point that he was talking about? Authority. And I know this is not easy sometimes to grasp, but authority isn't about domination. It's not about, well, I'm, I'm large, I'm in charge, I'm able to tell people what to do. That's not what authority, that's the world's view of authority. And I know, I, I understand, and, and you probably all had children or grandchildren and, and the thought go through their mind and come out their mouth, I can't wait till I'm the boss. I can't wait till nobody can tell me. I can't wait till... <laughs> and you think, oh man, that's what you're so excited about? When you should recognize that the joy of being in relationship, and this was exemplified in the story of the prodigal son, remember? And when the prodigal son left and spent the money and he comes back and the older brother is upset and he says, I don't understand. You never gave me a fatted calf and you never rejoiced. 
And what did the father say? You've been with me all the time. What are you so bent out of shape about? We have had a relationship. Your younger brother has missed all kinds of events. You see, because it's easy though to think that, oh man, uh, what is the greatest authority is the joy of being in relationship. And, and then of course, you know, the mother of James and John came to him and said, oh, by the way, which son do you think ought to be on your left and which one on your right? Because my boys are, you see, everybody's got this idea of I want to be great. Oh, I can't wait to be great. I can't wait to be, you know, amazing. And Jesus gave a very powerful truth. He said, the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or servant. And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. I know, you know, some, sometimes people will respond when somebody tells them what to do. Sometimes they won't, especially, you know, if you're not paying them. And uh, we have a whole society that doesn't want to obey any authority. But at some point, you've got to realize the greatest example of how to deal with this is to be a servant. How can I serve? How can I help? What can I do? And I know we announce and we put on the bulletin and we have on the slides and we have, you know, here's a way you can come. You can come be a part. Well, unless you specifically tell me and ask me and make me accountable oh lord be a servant say what can i do how can i help there's always some place because you see greatness is balanced by humility leadership and authority is balanced by knowing who i am and that i am loved royalty is balanced by being self-serving with service to others? No. Being self-serving is like I'm royalty. You know, I, I, don't, need, I don't help anybody. I don't do anything because I am all of that in a bag of chips. And yet, who are we to be as children of God is what can I do to help someone? And, and let me just tell you, if you take this attitude into your workplace, you'll go far. What can I do to help the company? What can I do to help? I want to be a blessing. Well, it's not my job. I'm not going to do it. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> we've all have to recognize that all of this is how the Lord tried to explain 
the lesson to them and the final lesson you remember on the night that they were in the upper room, who was it that washed their feet? Not Simon. He didn't wash everybody's feet. They didn't have a, a handmaiden there. Or they didn't have a servant there. And so the idea was, who's going to do it? Who's going to serve? Well, I'm going to sit here and let them, and if somebody else does it, I don't need to get up. Oh, Lord, help us all. And I get it. I can sit back and whoever cooked, you cooked, you cleaned the kitchen. You know how well that goes down? <laughs> huh? Well, you can serve me. Well, bless the Lord, oh my soul. But you don't understand. Oh, I hope we all learn how to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus? <laughs> On earth I long to be like Him. Am I willing to get up and wash their feet? <sighs> but my feet hurt. Nobody washed my feet. Not telling you, I'm perfect in this by any means. Just don't talk to my wife, she'll tell you how imperfect I am. <laughs> but the point of it is, what, that's what it means to be of service. How can I help? How can I serve? Jesus, and basically, after he washed their feet, they were talking and he said, one place, Matthew, the 25th chapter, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was a stranger and you took me in and I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came. And the righteous said, Lord, we don't remember. When were you sick? When were you hungry? When did we give you to drink? When were you naked? When were you in prison? Jesus tells them, Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And so what, what are you saying? I'm saying sometimes when, you know, we do something to help someone in the name of the Lord, and, and there is a sense of serving. Now, I, I'm just going to be honest, and I'm going to tell you that if you do that with a wrong motive, I'm not sure it does anything. As a matter of fact, Paul said, if you give your body to be burned, and don't do it out of... Love. If you do it with a motive of, I want you beholden to me, I want you that. Huh? He said, it's not enough just to serve somebody. And I know I, I got tickled I, many times when, you know, a politician would come on Thanksgiving and go to a shelter and stand there for 15 minutes and put rolls on a plate. And they just happened to have called the press. 
And the press says, there he is, Pastor Shostrand, feeding the hungry. Yes. Ah, yes. And we go, yeah, right. Uh, we know what's going on. You put five little rolls and then you had to call it a day. I get it. But the, the, the times that you come and nobody knows and you're doing your best to serve or you help or you bring a cup of water or you pray, that's when you are developing soil. You know? And, and when Jesus made these statements, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the seed, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So the reason that we want to have this soil and this stuff going is so that when it comes time to pray, you say, well, what's the benefit to me? Well, first of all, you probably got the cart before the horse when you're asking what's the benefit to me, but Jesus told us what the benefit is. Because when the word is growing in you, you know that you can ask, Lord, I need you to, and it can be done. It will be done. He said, as the Father had loved me, so I loved you. Continue in my love. Abide in my love. Keep my Father's commandments. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. So what are you saying? I'm saying that in the moment when you are doing something for somebody else, you know what it brings into you? Joy. Everybody here knows it. When you feel like you've done something to help somebody, how do you feel? Good. You feel like, wow. And you recognize that you, of course, it all has to be motivated by love. That's why he said that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, from his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And the Bible talks, Paul in Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? That one day I could be saved. One day I could get baptized in Jesus' name. One day I could receive the Holy Ghost. That was his joy. How do you go through things? You have to have a mindset of, Lord, you're either going to use this to bless them, to bless me, put something. Use it, Lord, for your glory. Sure, I realize there's a good feeling with helping others and we're commanded to serve, but if you don't, and, and I can't judge anybody's motive or purpose, but, you know, if it's a photo op on Thanksgiving and you've just done four, five low rolls, I don't know that you have a great love, but I can't judge the motive. Maybe they want to draw attention to what the Lord is doing. 
And uh, without the love of God, without the goal of bringing them into better connection, what does the Bible say? If we don't have love in everything we do, we become a sounding brass. So David had to understand all of this and in his service to Saul, and he did. And then, of course, uh, the next, the final lesson in David's life was connecting him to a community. A community of wonderful people. I, I know I've had people say, well, you know, I need to connect to a church that is perfect. And you know the joke. Please don't, because you'll ruin it. If you find that perfect church and you join, it'll be over. But what kind of community did David connect with? David, the man anointed to be the next king. David, the psalmist, David, the worshiper, David, the guy that had been in the palace, David, the harp player, David, the awesome. David, the Goliath giant killer. Well, he went to Adullam. And his brothers heard about it. Now these are the same brothers that said, you're being naughty, you're no good, you've got a bad spirit. And his brothers came to him. And then, you know what the Bible says? Everyone that was in distress and that was in debt and that was discontent about 400 men and their families they all came to him all the terrible people in society and he became a captain over them what are you saying? Isolation was not in, in, is not in God's plan for any of us. It's not all about me and myself and what do I want and how do I want to do and what do I want to be. In fact, repeatedly in the New Testament, there, there's, I, I, did, I just put some, but like in Corinthians, it said we're all part of Christ's body. Eye, hand, foot, members, one of another in Romans. What are you saying? Well, I am my alone ranger for Jesus. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. God never intended for any of us to be isolated. Well, they're not as smart as I am. Well, bless your heart. Come join them. Join us so that the IQ pool pool will go up. Well, they're in debt. Well, they're in distress. Everything's great with me. Well, live long enough. You're going to find a time when you're going to be in distress, debt, <laughs> problems. <laughs> 
Ephesians, he talks about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, to the equip for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Again, the body speaking in truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head. The head of the body is Christ, from whom the notice this phrase, whole body jointly. To join, fitly joined together and compacted or strengthened by that which every what? Joint supplieth. What are you saying? I'm saying that the strength doesn't come from the head. It comes from the joints, from the body. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, I know, the body couldn't function without the head. Can't lop off the head and the body's going to be fine. I'm not getting rid of Christ. But the point is, that joint is that thing that holds two different bones together that ability to attach to this one and this one wants to pull that way and this one's pulling this way it's amazing how important joints are oh god help us you know Sometimes you have hard-headed bones that go in this direction and hard-headed bones that want to go in that direction. God, give us a joint. Can hold everybody together. Has enough sense to know, you know. Yep, I see. I mean, if you didn't have your joints, He said, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, every part maketh increase unto the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. What are you saying? When we have an ability to try to, you know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of wrong. And I know. There are sometimes folks and they can make you mad and they can frustrate you and you don't like this and I don't like what that one's done and I and you can find fault you can find fault with anybody any job any boss any You want to find fault plenty of it out there You can say or you can say, I want to do a, be a joint. I want to supply strength. I want to show love. Why? Because the unity of the body is what brings the anointing. Let me just be candid. You want to know why you have a a powerful service, an anointed service. Well, because we have an anointed evangelist. And, and you know, and yet I understand. I, Brother Easter's coming. Brother Easter's 
a wonderful man? Has he ever been, you know, have there been things I could have said, wait a minute, Brother Easter, I'm not sure, sure I'd go that far. Or, I don't know about this. Or, I, I don't know what you're doing about that. Well, of course, I can, you can find fault in everybody. Or you can say, hey, we're going to come. We're going to try to have a good service. We're going to worship. We're going to do our best to respond. Huh? That's why David said in Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in and what did he say it was like? Precious ointment that is poured on the head that runs down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the Blessing, even life forevermore. What are you saying? <clears throat> when you recognize, Lord, what the power of us praying for one another, loving one another, you know, encouraging one another. And I know there have been it's going on in this church. I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything critical to say. I'm, this is the soil. This is what makes the body because there's strength in the body. There's safety in the body. There's counsel in the body. Awareness of my blind spots. If you, if you didn't have, you know, and, and yet you can get offended. Oh, somebody challenges you. Somebody says, why are you doing this? I wouldn't act that way. You need to pray through. Oh, I, how dare you think I need to pray? How dare you think I need to go to the altar? Let me tell you something. That's what the body is for. You know, just go home tonight and sit on your hand. Before long, another part of the body is going to say, hey, there's too much pressure here. I'm tingling because I don't like this. Huh? You're cutting off my blood supply. And, and you know, you don't get a text about it. You don't get an email about it. But it's the body. The function of the body. Huh. You got your hand in the wrong place. You ever, you ever wakened up at night and you're, you're like, you've been sleeping on your arm or your hand and it's like the body goes, okay, enough. Huh? You can blame your husband or wife. It's not them. It's you. Your body. Huh? Huh? What's going on here? Well, 
Obviously, your hand didn't think about the fact that, look, if I bend back like this, I'm going to wake you up in 30 minutes. And so the body functions like this to help us, our blind spots to give us courage. I mean, I, we could go on and on talking about individuals that we've seen that have gone through from those that are sitting here to those that have gone on to be with the Lord, Brother Tracy, Brother Wickline, and others that we have just seen the, the courage. We've seen what God did for them, Brother, uh, Brother Clark, and, and others, and just go, you know what? That man, that encourages me. That gives me the courage. The body is a covering. The body is, you know, being able to check my hearing, and, I, and, and I've told you that. The, uh, you know, individuals have come to me and said, you know, pastor, I've got a decision. I've got a this. Uh, pray with me. Let me know if I'm hearing right. Let me know if I'm thinking right. Or you can just say, I'm going to do my own thing. He don't know. He don't have any idea of my work, what's going on, whatever. You can be a Lone Ranger and that's fine. I'm not trying to get you to call me. I'm not demanding that you do. But the fact that you recognize this is where my strength is. A community of believers, a body. And you say, well, I don't take that lightly. Well, But if I... You know, if I uproot and I go there and I go and I uproot from there and I uproot from there before long, where's my connection? And, I, and I've had people say, well, pastor, are you still going to... And I go, well, you know, no, I'm sorry. If, you, if you're uprooted from here, I can't be the one to help... You know, give you counsel or give you covering or check your hearing. Are you listening to the voice of God? Somebody else has got to do that. Not that I'm not upset by it, but I'm just telling you, you, that's what it means to be part of a body. The amazing thing about all of this, and I know Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah that the Messiah was going to come forth as a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Isaiah talks about the seven spirits of God basically being on him. The spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, Spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The Lord was developing all those things in David. And that were the, was the roots that Jesus came out of. <clears throat> I know. To be like Jesus is easy to sing. It's hard to do. I want those roots developed in me. Revelation, the 22nd chapter, when you see Jesus at the very end of the Bible, the very end, after all the stuff of Revelation, he says, I, Jesus, 
have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. Now that's, ama that's an amazing one God scripture. How do you become the root and the offspring? God developed the roots in David. Jesus was the offspring, but that Jesus said, I was not just the offspring, I was the root as well as the offspring, the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come and let whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Oh, I know, I, I, I know uh, it feels like at times in the midst of the hot summertime, in the midst of all the weeds growing, and I, you know, every year something uh, happens. I don't know what it is. No matter what kind of chance I give the garden if I'm gone I grow weeds they are just amazing I don't know what you dip weeds in to make them grow so fast and great but I can tell you there's not a tomato or a pepper or a zucchini or squash or even asparagus that can outgrow weed. Amen. And in just a matter of seven days, ten days, and then I, confession's good for the soul, I get depressed. I don't even want to go back out there. Huh? I'll just disc it all under later. Oh, and I know I've tried, you know, putting out, and I do have out visqueen or whatever it is, garden stuff and cut a little hole. And then you put one little plant in that little hole and 42 weeds find that hole. Oh, it saved the other three feet between the other plant, but there's still 42 of them that made it through that little hole. <laughs> then you grab them, and if they're stinging nettles, you start thanking the Lord and <laughs> shaking your hand, and I know. If that happens in the natural... Sister Vicki and Brother Ken told me tonight, they said, I know you've said it, it's true, but you know, it's a whole lot different when you're here and we've had to miss for three weeks. And why? Sometimes just coming into the house of the Lord, the Lord's pulling up a few weeds. Oh, that thinking's not right. Oh, you're getting off track here. Huh? Say, oh, I don't need that. I can make it. I'm, I've planted the good seed of the Word of God. 
Well, let me tell you, you're going to need some weeding every once in a while. If your garden is anything like mine, Brother Steve Sloan the other day asked me, he said, you know what, I need to get every night, I need to find something to do in the house of the Lord. Yes, why? Because this is where we pull up the weeds, get the soil straight, remind ourselves, wow, this is what I need to live for God. This is what I need to be and do. Oh, hallelujah. The seed is good. The seed is perfect. It's the soil and the weeds and the rocks and the offense and all the things that get in it and push out the good seed. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad I'm rooted in some... I'm glad I can work on the soil. And, and I know part of that is the Word of God and that ability to just delve into the Word, let the Word correct you, let the, the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged hoe or sword. And if you've never taken a sword to those weeds, come to my house and I'll show how, how you do that. I even went to Amish country and bought a scythe kit. I haven't figured out how to put it together. You know, because I wanted to swing that sword. I thought I could take my aggression out on it. My wife said, you're going to cut your leg off. But you know, because I, I waited 10 days and now they're chest high. So I thought, man, I can work these things over. Anyway, true. I wish it wasn't true. I wish. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I try to get my folks to go out there and they go, that's not my garden. Brother Galoni asked my dad yesterday, do you plant a garden? And my dad said, yes. Kroger. <laughs> he said it, didn't he, Brother Galoni? Yes, he did. I said, Lord, help us. Kroger. What are you saying? I'm saying in this hour, Lord, I want to be fruitful. I'm going to have to work in my garden. Hallelujah. No weeds in Kroger. Yeah, I got you. But you know what? When the supply chain breaks, don't come knocking at my door asking for my, for my tomatoes. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Let's thank the Lord for his word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord.